This is Mental Selling. This is the sales podcast for people that are dedicated to making a difference in customers' lives and have a purpose beyond just a paycheck. I'm your host, Will Milano. Let's get right into the show. Reputation and perception have never been more important for salespeople. It's a noisy world out there, and buyers are only going to have time for those that are clearly and consistently articulating value and expertise. Ten years ago, buyers were searching for their answers to their questions on Google. Today, it's that, but it's also very much LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, yes, podcasts like this one, Slack communities, and on and on. So how do sellers create a mindset and approach that helps them build their brand on social platforms like these and create the connections with those that they can help that will actually lead to more sales? To talk about that, I'm very pleased to have Sam McKenna, CEO of Sam Sales Consulting, with us today on Mental Selling. She's an award-winning sales leader, recognized brand ambassador for LinkedIn, perhaps the biggest one there is, and a highly sought-after speaker and consultant. Sam, thank you so much for talking with me today. Hi, Will. Thank you so much for having me. This is our episode number 50. So it's great to have an expert like you join us for a milestone episode. I feel like I just won something like at the grocery store. Like I should get like a, like a free case of beer or something. I'm the 50th guest. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to get you some sort of prize. <laughs> see, see how I sold, sold my way into that? That's great. You did. Perfect. You did. Uh, um, so as you say, the, the mission of Sam sales is to make a positive impact on the business of sales, which of course makes you a great fit for being on this podcast. Um, so let's start rather broadly. You have roughly as of this recording, 55,000 LinkedIn followers. Why does that matter for you as a salesperson and as a brand? I think there's a lot of people who get tied up in kind of those vanity metrics. Um, you can buy your followers, you can buy yeah. engagement, you can buy all of that. Um, to me, I look at it, I think, for, from two lenses. So one, I think mostly the lens of the heart, uh, meaning that that's that many people that I can positively impact or I can teach something to or impact their bottom line through something they learn. Um, and then I guess the business lens of it as well is important, right? Knowing the right. amount of impressions that we can make, uh, which lead to, to inbound business. But I think for me, there's always been the the kind of why why the um, why we bleed to make a positive impact, right? Why that's part of our mantra. That's really what it what matters to us at the end of the day. It's the business, of course, matters. The revenue matters. All that matters. But I think I look at things a little bit differently as a leader, and just think. You know, instead of thinking about the work that I'm passionate about, if I think about just making positive impact and um, bringing that kind of that kind of angle to people's lives that the money will follow. Um, and it always has. And I feel like it always will. Yeah. And I think to me, that's the the crux of something like LinkedIn is, is it is about adding value to that community. If you want to, you know, define it as a, as a community. And, and, but sometimes I've found that people can sometimes create their LinkedIn profiles, but then they don't, don't actually do anything with it or they get involved very sporadically. Yeah. And it's such a great tool for establishing credibility and expanding your network. But it's almost like sometimes, especially salespeople, they, they build it and expect the buyers to come, right? <laughs> they build it and just auto share stuff from their very talented marketing team uh, and think that that's enough. But 
You're so right. And I, I think we've got a branding issue that the LinkedIn has to solve for, right? And I, I say that as a devotee of the platform. But if you Google LinkedIn, and if you look and see what the mantra is, the mantra is still to help you find a job, right? So if you look at that, that's a tagline. So because that's the company's tagline, that's what people still associate LinkedIn with. Instead of thinking about it as a platform to learn, to build a brand, to use, to sell and connect with other humans, don't think of it that way. And I think the majority of buyers and users are, are still just even being enlightened to the fact that the platform is that. But we think about what that, that profile, let's even just talk about that. If you do nothing else but build a fantastic profile, think of what that can do for your buyers. Think of that, what that can do for your own personal brand to eventually get hired elsewhere. And then also think about what it can do for talent acquisition, for partner acquisition, and then as leaders for talent acquisition, right? So you think about that, like that, what does that mean? People will see us for who we are. People will see us for our authentic selves. They'll get to know us before they ever engage with us, which is huge. And I think that, um, as I said at the outset, LinkedIn is really, you should view it as another search engine, really, because it literally is a place where buyers are using that search bar to find answers and, and by extension, find experts that they can engage with to get answers to the, the problems that they have. Yeah, this this stats um, maybe six or seven months old, but it's got to be still pretty close to it. So less than one percent of the users on LinkedIn post at least once a week, right? So that's myself included. But you think about that, we have eight hundred and fifty or so million members on that platform. So less than one percent of them post weekly. Wow, I'm surprised. Um, less right. than one percent. Less than one percent. But then you think about it, that nearly half of those members come in at least once a week for a minimum time of five minutes. So think about that, like, in a, think about that in marketing terms, right? Think about that in traffic terms. We have all these people who are coming in to look, to view, to read, to do something. Five minutes is a long time. What are they doing during the time? And so if you think about it, you've got an opportunity with very little traffic and competition to get a ton of eyeballs on your content. And I think even that, as we start to think about posting more, posting thought leadership, People get very fixated on the likes and the comments. Forget that at first. The thing you should just look at is the views. Be motivated by the views, right? Even if you have a few hundred people who saw your post, those are killer impressions to begin with. And then start to think about when it gets, when you become an influencer and you get more people following you, those impressions are through the roof and it's free. It's nuts. Yeah, it's it's sort of a first things first thing, right? I, I agree. And again, as a as a marketing person, I know impressions matter. And sometimes you can get eye rolls about that, but it's it's really misplaced because you can't get the comments and the engagement and the dialogues until you have those first. It's sort of foundational. And you think about like, so how, how to kind of build that, right? Because I think that it's actually a conversation we have with a lot of marketers who say we're going to buy, you know, a platform that just allows for sharing. And then we're just going to have all of our employees and our executives share, share content out to LinkedIn on behalf of the company. But what what you want to think about is that the LinkedIn audience is, it's a fickle one, um, as much as I love them. And there's two things we want to avoid. One, they don't want to be told. And two, they don't want to be sold. So if you get on the right. platform and you say, this is the only way to do something, no cold callings, only, you know, pay-per-click ads, whatever. If you've got a point of view that's so strong, we're telling somebody there's no room, wiggle room on your opinion. People aren't going to like that. Right. And it's the only thing we do is sell. Um, and pro post company promotional things instead of doing that about 20% of the time, which is what we should do 
we're not going to get traction with that audience either. Right. If you're, if you're leading with a sales pitch, yeah. you're not going to get nearly the attention that leading with, to me, good thought leadership is about helping people think differently Yeah, and about thinking about what's possible that maybe that they haven't considered. And that's the sort of content that people want to see, right? Completely. You're building that trust and credibility with other humans that you're smart, you've got something interesting to say, and that keeping tabs on your content is going to be worth their time, right? So to your point, that thought leadership is critical. So I talked to somebody else on our, our podcast months ago, and they were talking about how they don't even like the term social selling because they said it shouldn't be social selling because that connotates that it's something different. But what we're talking about around social selling is purely that this is the way that sales is done today. Mm -hmm. How how would you define or describe social selling today? And, and do you think salespeople think about it correctly and are, are leveraging it correctly? I don't think salespeople, I don't think the majority of salespeople are leveraging correctly, right? You've got your anomalies out there. You can see every single day on LinkedIn. Um, mm -hmm. But I think the majority of reps don't understand the value, don't understand what to do, what's appropriate, et cetera, or they do understand its value, but then they do it all wrong. Um, so I think a couple of things there, right? I don't, I think social selling is an, is an outdated term, but it's one that's yeah. really necessary because people just don't know that it's a thing yet. So there's an education process there. But I think what it really is, is modern selling. And what you have, right? You've got this platform with all these people that are there, all these people that are looking, coming to read, and you've got an opportunity to either show up or not, right? Like I always think about social selling in the same way that I think about like a live conference. Let's say, right? Like you walk into a conference room floor and you've got 100 little conversation pods of your clients standing around. We would chill to get to bit bop around to all those little conversation pods. Be like, hello, my name's Sam. I'd like you to buy my stuff. I'm feeling more tactfully than that. But <laughs> that's what we get on LinkedIn every single day from either our content to the ones that they're engaging with to the ones that our customers are posting. There's such an opportunity there. But I think what's interesting, too, as a trend, if you look, when you look at higher level executives, so you look at, you know, the SVP at Salesforce or DuPont or whatever, you get somebody like that who posts, it's a really interesting thing that happens great majority of the time. They will get a lot of likes and they will get almost next to no comments. And if they do get comments, it's usually from internal people to like, hello, please recognize and promote me and give me a raise. I want visibility. Yeah. But it's like, we've got such an opportunity. And again, with the, the kind of conference room floor, I akin it to this person, this author speaking, and then a hundred or so people that are just like giving a thumbs up or waving around them. And then you've got maybe one smart seller who's like, well, no one's talking to them. I will. And that's the comment. So when you go and drop a comment, right? Like you, again, very little competition. You're paying it forward to them. You're helping their content get around. And you've got a chance to establish your thought leadership with them. And show what you're like. Talk about a great start to a relationship. And it's a way to do it in a very authentic way, right? And it, yeah. it invites dialogue. Or, well, I should say in your example, the executive is inviting dialogue. Anybody that posts on LinkedIn is inviting dialogue and you should take advantage of that. Totally. And I think the cool part too is like, even with that, when the individual post, the individuals post about personal things, we're coaching a, a rep at a financial house recently. And I was like, look, this person just ghosted about 
They posted about 9-11. They talked about, you know, honoring the firefighters. And I'm like, comment on this. So it's just a segment on 60 Minutes. Talk about the segment. Go watch the segment and go comment on it. You know, talk. there's no talk about work. There's simply visibility of your name plus your thought leadership and supporting something that person wrote. And even that was like, I never thought to do that. And you're like, have a human conversation? I know, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, but it's amazing. That's what we can do on LinkedIn every day. And, and just the, the, the basics, right, of... If you're trying to get in front of a company, are you following that company? Are you following the the executives and the decision makers that you're trying to get in front of so that when they, as a company or as a leader, they post something, you can see it. There's too many salespeople that still don't even do that. Yeah. And what's amazing too is you can, with a quick search on LinkedIn, right? Talking about what you mentioned earlier about using it as a search engine, quick search on LinkedIn, look up the company name. Let's go again back to DuPont because they're huge. I find Google DuPont. I will also see quickly top content producers that work at DuPont. So I can just quickly scan, find some executives or influencers to those executives that I want to get in front of, look and see if they post content often, make a little list, save it in Navigator, write it down old school, and poof, I have a custom curated list of people that I can drip champagne to, so to speak, as a salesperson, right? And start to get my name in there. The most magical thing for me, right, we have a buyer who literally lists in her, her LinkedIn red line that she manages 7,000 salespeople at a telecommunications company that we would kill to get in front of. Yeah. And so one, what an amazing opportunity for us to see how high level this person is, because she tells us. And then two, just putting a drip campaign, right? We just keep commenting on her content, but then we comment on a bunch of other executives that are connected to her that also do content. Now imagine, if one day at a conference table, someone's like, oh my gosh, who are we going to bring in for our sales kickoff speaker? Who are we going to bring in for this? And somebody says, this girl posts a lot on LinkedIn, Sam McKenna. And let's say two other people, or even one other person, let's say the 7,000 person leader says, I know that, right? That's how we can use this to our advantage to get a fantastic inbound lead, slowly wearing them down over time, and then having them see our content as well. It's playing that long game, right? Because yeah. that might not happen three weeks or three months from now, it may happen two years from now. But if you're committed to it, yeah, right? We probably have people who are listening to this and they're like, this is so bananas. Why don't you instead just cold email that person? Sam, you yeah. talk about show me, you know me all the time and you can break through the noise. Why not just do that? Here's why I don't just do that. So when the value of me posting that comment it not only gets that person's attention, right, but it gets the attention of other people in her network. And then I'm compounding that again over time with people within that organization. The other thing to think about is that when that lead does come in, right, I also connect it with that person. That means that they see my content. Also, they see my thought leadership. And when that lead comes in, not only will it be so much more qualified when I have that conversation, but odds are they probably already know that they want to hire me because they've seen everything that's in my brain, right? They know right. the quality of my content. Whereas that outbound would be a far rougher climb. Yeah, you've, you've already established that that credibility mm -hmm. that's so critical to, to building trust with a new a totally. new prospect. And, you know, one of the other, I, I think, underrated aspects of connecting with somebody on LinkedIn is that you're always, that, either as an individual or as a company, that you're then always tethered to them, yeah. regardless of where they go. You know, uh, database lists, what, what's the saying that they, they go bad at the rate of roughly 3% a month, right? Or 35% a year. Yeah. It's tough. But, but not on LinkedIn. Somebody <laughs> goes to a new job. Guess what? You're still connected to them. And, and oftentimes that's what you want, right? You want to be connected to them so that you can reach them at their next company. 
Totally. And I know that this isn't the point of the podcast, but I have to plunge this really quick. So one of the smartest sources for marketers, right, from an MQL perspective, is tracking job changes over the course of the at, at, a, at a company level, right? And you think about that. We work every time we talk to executive teams, they're like, we're mm-hmm. struggling with pipeline, 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 pipeline. And yeah. we're like, are you tracking the job changes of the influencers, buyers, skeptics, procurement, champions, users? of your close one deals and where they go. No, we're missing such an incredible lead source. So I will humbly plug that Sam Sales helps companies do that. We have a playbook for how to do it. But imagine that you can now capture people who have gone through a buying experience and said yes, have used your products, hopefully love your product. And now they've changed jobs and we can capitalize on that. Yeah, it's such low hanging fruit to yeah. to engage with those people. And And the other thing I wanted to say is that increasingly for, especially if you're selling in B2B, and you're selling solutions that are complex, longer sales cycle, and everybody talks about expanded buying committees, and there's so many people involved in decision-making and and influencers and and champions, that LinkedIn is the place to engage with all of those people versus just relying on that single lead, however you want to define that, right? Because all of those people have to buy into who you are and what you're bringing to the table. Yeah. Yeah. You think about this too. So there's there are also people listening who I suspect are going to say, but my buyers aren't on LinkedIn, right? Or they don't use LinkedIn. And the odds are that you've got some of your accounts within your territory that are on LinkedIn. Even if those executive buyers are not on LinkedIn, their reports might be, their reports, 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 reports might be. And yeah. you've got to think about that too. Even connecting with one individual at an SMB company that has 100 employees gets you visibility now to all the first degree connections they have within their company, right? So engage with them, hope that they engage with you. And again, those impressions compound. Get yeah. posted this morning, two hours ago, and I have 14,000, 14, just over 14,000 views of that post in two hours. As yeah. a marketer, I'd love to know what that would cost me. Yeah. <laughs> right? And no, as, as a marketer, 14,000 views is, impressions is not easy to get. I, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, that's, that's, ex, it's extremely valuable. Yeah. What, what else do you think salespeople, what else do you wish salespeople understood about their, their social media presence and, and also leveraging their company's social media presence that, that maybe a lot of them still don't? I think what I wish people understood more, um, one, I think there are a lot of opinions of, I'm too young to post stuff. I'm too green in my career to post stuff. Um, what would I even say? And so I think that's one of the things that I would say is that there's a voice for every single one of us, right? If you are 19 and just wrapped up, just wrapped up high school and you are now an SDR and you're like, what do I have to teach somebody? What do you have to teach your fellow 19-year-old SDRs? What do you yeah. have to teach somebody about a process you used or something you learned or something you read that was great or part of onboarding that really helped you? There's so much that you can teach people in your realm. But I think what you'll find also is even if you post for like-minded individuals or like-skilled individuals, you'll probably impact people one or two rungs about that. The other thing that I would say is I think it can be such a scary thing to do, right? To post something, to get one comment, three likes and be like, well, that fell flat. So I would say at first, if you're struggling with that, grab 15 minutes a day and pop on LinkedIn and comment on other people's content. 
find a few influencers, find a find a Sam of the world in your in your space, right? And comment on their content because you'll find other people will probably engage with you. Other people will also like your content. And you'll see that it's not so bad, right? You'll see how quickly you build community and that it's not so scary. And then go with your own post. The other thing that I would say, right, if you want a little kickstart, a little, little secret hack here, is engage with some of those authors, right? Some of those great content creators. And then send them a DM, say you love their stuff, yada, yada. And then say, I'm just getting started my LinkedIn journey. This is my first post. I'm really nervous. If you have time, would you drop a comment? And I'll tell you the value of someone, you know, I'll humbly say someone like me, but of, of other people who have 60, 70, 100,000 authentic followers, mm. adding a comment on some relatively unknown person will make that, con that content skyrocket. So there's value to that too, right? There's, we're asked all the time to do sponsored posts. You should also even ask us to do sponsored comments because for your new executives that are looking for a little emphasis, that's something that can go a long way. I also love that for us, that it's just something kind to do for someone else, right? Help them give their their sea legs a little a little confidence there, so to speak. Yeah, I think, like you said, a lot of what is valuable to post is it doesn't have to be some grand thought leadership, but it's purely sharing your stories, your experiences. I've seen this, I, you know, I've struggled with that. And it's a trend I think I've seen with LinkedIn more that I like is people being that much more authentic yeah, and sort of letting their guard down and not trying to be so buttoned up. They're more willing to share their struggles. And that's, I think what a lot of people on LinkedIn want to see too, because they want to know it's not just me. I, I think that that is one of the things that you can be so wise to mix in is the authenticity of who you are, which I know can be tough. So this is always something that tends to surprise people, but I have low frequency hearing loss. So typically, um, it just means I can't talk. I can't hear the quiet talkers, the low talkers. Um, yeah. I need you to be a close talker for any Seinfeld fans out there. Um, <laughs> but you think about that, like that is a, that's a scary thing to post. I'm talking about a disability I have. I'm someone who speaks, you know, on stage quite frequently, conferences and sales kickoffs every year. Um, does that mean that somebody's going to be like, well, she can't hear the audience. She's not going to be great on stage and just qualify me for an opportunity? Maybe. But I also talk about how I got around that, right? Or how I thought, you know, maybe this disability will limit my ability to succeed in public speaking. And it didn't. And here's what I did to get around that. What's amazing to me is that, one, it shows you for the imperfect being that we all are. And then, two, it hopefully inspires confidence in other people to share those same things. So, like, if someone like Sam, if someone like these six people that I also value their opinion, they can share that stuff. Does that mean that it's okay for me to share that stuff? So I think the value of empowering others is huge. I will say, I'm very, I'm like watching this slowly. There was um, an influencer. He has about 50,000 followers, uh, works for a well-known brand and messaged me. And he's like, this post was so inspiring. I also have a disability, XYZ. I never talk about it, but appreciate doing that. Like, you should talk about it. And yeah. he wrote back and he's like, I'm just, I'm not there yet. And so... For me, a win will be in six months and six days when he says, you know what? Heck, screw it. He is a good word. Screw it. I'll, um, I'm going to do it. Like, what a win that'll be. Because I encourage him to step off the high dive and to give it a shot and to then inspire other people. I'll say one more thing. That's what I love about the idea of positive impact. Even when we talk about that on LinkedIn, when we do something kind for something, we give something away. We give all of our content away to the military and transitioning teachers the domino effect of that.
right? Oh, yeah. One good thing for somebody can do X, Y, Z for 10 more. Absolutely. And it's such a value add. I, I think, again, this idea of, of authenticity and people letting their guard down and asking for help. I mean, a great example of that is we all see, unfortunately, recently, you see more and more people posting about losing their positions yeah. and that they're open. I feel like five years ago, people were not willing to do that. They wanted, if they had lost their job, that was the furthest thing that they were going to post about. They didn't want to let people know that as if it was a negative. And yeah. now people are out there actively like, Hey, this just happened to me. I, I read one the other day, like this just happened to me like three hours ago and I'm not okay. I, I'm sort of summarizing what she wrote, but she was basically saying like, I'm not okay. And I yeah. do, I need some help. That's proof in what exactly what we just talked about. Your one post will inspire others to feel confident about that. Because they know through you, through your post that they're not alone. And you think about how many people have posted that, right? That have encouraged tens of thousands of other people to post about the fact that they are open to work, to put that frame on their, their picture and to post yeah. about it where normally there's a shot in hell they would have done that. So I, I love that concept. I think we, we had the same thing too on our, um, we were on a women's leadership group that's totally free. Um, and we had a girl, I think she came on the second one. She went first and she said, I just, I got laid off 10 minutes ago. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I had committed to coming today. I'm very distraught. Um, but any tips for what to do? And again, yeah. positive impact of that is the chat blew up. People were so encouraging of her. We got her to share her LinkedIn profile, hopefully connect with other people. But that vulnerability pays off in so many ways, not only for helping yourself, but for helping others. Absolutely. So I wanted to talk sort of tactically about something and it's about connecting with people. I read something that, that you wrote that I really liked that said your network on LinkedIn is your net worth. Mm -hmm. And we all get these cringeworthy connection requests and messages what? that happen that people either, they don't even add a note to, or maybe sometimes they add a note that they're actually selling you in the connection request. What? You're such an expert in this. What does properly connecting with someone on LinkedIn really look like? I'll just give a quick shout out to Jill Rowley, who is the original social selling queen. I heard her say your network is your net worth maybe a decade ago. And I thought, mm. one, I practically proposed marriage to her, which would be completely appropriate, of course. Um, but two, just fell out of my chair. I was like, man, you were so right. Um, yeah. So I think in terms of properly connected, there's a lot of interesting things that go around. Um, and of course, everybody has an opinion on this. Mine is not the right way. It's the same sales way. Hmm. When you send a connection request to somebody, if you don't add context, I want to know, right? What do you, what happens next? So I just, I'm playing a volume game, let's say. I send you, Will, and 900 other people connection requests today. You accept. Then then what? What's the point? Right. What do I do next? I probably pitch slap you, right? That's with a P. Um, <laughs> and send you, we just want to make that clear, but I send you a thing and I'm like, Will, oh my gosh, you have to have Sam sales. As a marketer, you use Shop Hopper. We'd love to talk to you. And then you're like, oh. so instead, why don't I add some context? Do a little show me, you know me. Show effort in the connection request. Um, or even just say, I've seen your, I've seen a few of your posts. I love it. Or you can be, you can offer a sales message and think in a light way. So while I never want to pitch people in the connection request, what I do think you can do is to say something along the lines of, Will, you, this is my step four in my sequence or my cadence. Will, you <laughs> might, my name might look familiar to you as I've sent you a few emails. Right. Love the chance to tell you how Sam Sales can be a top your organization. If you are ever up for a chat, let me know. Great to stay in touch here. Nothing else. 
So I'm being clear. I'm trying the good old fashioned way. I'm hitting you up over here. Look at my shiny, happy face. I promise I'm nice. Give me some time. And then I'm sending that conviction request. Now, the thing I'll say then, right, is what happens next? And what happens usually is that Will will accept and say nothing. Will will accept and say thanks, period. And I'll be like, mm. or Will will say, oh, my God, I can't wait to meet. And I'll be like, I know. <laughs> usually it's still the first two, right? And right. The, the key there is, again, to stand out and be different, right? We talk about that at Sam Sales all the time. Be different, be different, be different in a good way. And so imagine if you send me that, that you send me that response or you accept, the next thing that's going to happen is I'm going to send you a message and you're going to see a minimized flashing window on your LinkedIn that says Samantha McKenna, it's flashing eagerly saying, open me. I sent you another yeah. message. And what you're going to think is the buyer is this. She's probably pitch slapping me. She's probably aggressively asking me for the thing. So I would challenge you to just say, hey, well, thanks for accepting. Really nice to stay in touch. Looking forward to Thanks for accepting. Looking forward to staying in touch. Yeah. What a way to be different. It's so much better than the vague, you get the uh, connection requests that just say, looking forward to connecting or again, just nothing. And like you said, what's the context, especially if you're trying to connect with somebody within as a salesperson within a target account, right? Like yeah. what's the context of a connect or maybe do you have a shared connection or a shared group something. or your, or, or you know, maybe in the connection request, you're commenting on something that that person wrote about yeah, or something, right? Completely. I think there's, it's quality over quantity. And I think kind of back to the original question, like, what do I wish salespeople knew about LinkedIn? Like, this is your brand. This is not your brand for your company. This is your brand for you. And it's your yeah. brand for the long term. So what, what do you want that brand to be? I would sooner die than somebody say, you know, Sam is salesy, aggressive, tacky, tactless. Um, I want to make sure that even if it takes more work and even if we pull in, I don't know, $100,000 less this quarter or this year or whatever, it's not worth it to sacrifice my brand and my reputation, what I truly believe that the sales process should be, uh, which is one of integrity and polish and sophistication and quality mm -hmm. um, for that in return. So slow and steady, quality over quantity always. And I always say, especially again, being a, a marketer, I always tell people when they're doing outreach like this to read out loud what they're going to send to somebody, <laughs> right? Because yeah. I always say, if if you don't speak like that, don't write like it. Right? Yeah. I, I We see the for salesy language all the time, right? I would never see you at a conference and say, well, do you have 15 to 20 minutes to chat this week about your businesses? Woof. No, drop all of that stuff. You can say the exact yeah. same things without being salesy and robotic and corny. Yeah, it's a, it's about being human. And having an effective LinkedIn profile, do do recommendations matter, both getting and giving them? Yeah, I think the the recommendations are probably one of the, I think it's the second most dreaded part of the LinkedIn profile, which we can talk about the, the first two if you want. But the, the recommendations to me are the voice of the customer. It's the voice of the customer, yeah. something so important for us as brands, as organizations. But what about the voice of the customer of working with us, the human? And that's exactly what your recommendations are. So if you actually just as a resource, if you go to our, our website, samsalesconsulting.com under the resources section, um, just do a quick control F for LinkedIn, where there's a lot of content on there, so this will help you find it. Um, mm -hmm. But we talk about recommendations um, and we give you the script, what to say, who to ask, what medium to use, who to prioritize when you ask, et cetera. But again, going back to that kind of 19-year-old SDR example, if you were like, who is going to recommend me? 
just think about people you've worked with before. This could yeah. be in a volunteer capacity. This could be professors. This could be teachers that you had in high school. Um, this could be, you know, a, a part-time job that you had over the summer or an internship. Who has worked with you in some capacity, pain or not, that can yeah. advocate for what you're like? And as you grow, right, those are so important. Former bosses are great. Former peers are great. Cross-functional partners are great. I want you, again, to think about those recommendations in the light of client acquisition, partner acquisition, and talent acquisition, right, or employer acquisition. When you think about writing those recommendations, what I love about these two when you get them is that they will probably say the same old thing over and over again. If you look at mine, 50, there's 58 of them now. They all reside on our site. But if you look at them, it says the same old crap. And the reason that is is because that's my brand. That's who I am. That's who you can can consistently expect me to be in a client engagement. And it's it's a great thing. I would say offering to give it to other people unprovoked, um, right? For you to yeah. proactively think about that, right? So think about this for anyone who's listening that's had a great client experience or a great product experience. Can you write a recommendation? Can you proactively write, uh, offer to write one for somebody? What an awesome gift to another human. And those recommendations really are like, like everything else. It's about the experience of what's it like to work with you as a person. So it doesn't have to be metrics and those sorts of things, but it's just like, what, who is this person like? Cause buyers want to work with people that they like. If you think about your LinkedIn in three sections, right? We've got our mm. headline that draws our buyers in, shows we can solve a challenge, hopefully that they have, which then leads them to their bound section, right? So your yeah. bound section is who I am, why I love what I'm doing, what I do outside of my nine to five, right? And what expertise you can count on me for. So that buyer is like, great, this person can solve the problem now. Does anybody recommend that I work with this person? And that's when they go to your recommendations. We know that our buyers are doing so much more research on us before engaging with us, but it's not just in our company. It's us. It's us. Absolutely. Right? I think about this too for even account managers, right? Maybe not as important for that salesperson, right? Because that salesperson closes the deal and moves on. But account managers, you're stuck with that person, right? Yeah. So if you are an AM, if you're a CSM, get those recommendations because if you are part of that sales process, they'll see how awesome you are and it can really enhance the sales process for, for that person. Yeah, and it's it's sort of like the the individual recommendations are the the individual versions of like case studies on your website, right? Yeah. I, I think that's that's how to think of them. Sam, do salespeople ask for referrals enough? And if not, why? Or maybe are they just going about it the, the wrong way? I think um, referrals to me is always that kind of, uh, it's always akin to the words free shipping. Um, do we, what does free shipping really mean? Does it mean it's going to show up on your doorstep in 48 weeks? Or does it mean it's going to Amazon Prime it in 48 hours? Mm -hmm. um, and I think about that with referrals. I hear a lot of people say, I do referrals. I ask for referrals and I'm like, cool, how? Right. So I think the yeah. word referral just needs to be defined. I, one, don't think the reps do it nearly as often as they should. But I think even when they do, they're asking for them in the wrong way. And what I mean by that is they're saying, well, thanks so much for signing this contract. It's been 16 seconds. I'm sure you're wildly impressed with their product that you haven't yet experienced. Anyone else you can recommend to me? So that timing is off first and foremost. But even yeah. if I waited 16 weeks later and said, how's it going? Would you recommend us? Can you think of anything? Anyone that you can send away? It's the wrong way because one, I'm asking you to do the work of thinking who to refer to me. Right. And number two, you're probably, for all of you listening, think about that. 
Can you recommend anybody that could use Sam sales training, social selling, et cetera? What you're doing right now is you're racking your brain. Who do I talk to today? Who do I talk to the most often? And then you're thinking, can't think of anybody right now, but I'll keep you posted. So the salesperson hears that and they're like, oh my God, this person's going to keep me posted. They're going to think of me and you're going to forget about me in 14 minutes. So what we really want to do is be proactive. Make a list, right? Do this over a weekend. Make a list of 10, 12, 15 individuals that know what it's like to work with you, what you stand for. They've gotten positive feedback from other people about what it's like to work for you that are senior in terms of their, their status in an organization. And then go over them and say, well, I know you've heard really positive things about our clients. I know you've worked with us for two years and you've had a positive experience. You keep coming back for more. Um, I wonder, could I take a look at your LinkedIn network and could I look for a couple of people that we would love to be introduced to that you're now? That person's probably not going to say no. If they do, let's work on your EQ because you really read the room wrong there. Um, but they'll probably say yes and be a little cheeky when we send the request back. So, Will, if I was coming to you, I would say here are 14 people that I saw that you are connected to. And all of you guys are probably thinking, 14 people, you're out of your mind, Sam. But here's the thing. There are so many people who are connected to on LinkedIn that we have absolutely no idea who they are. So what I'm going to say in that message is say, you know, our LinkedIn networks are always high quality in terms of how we know these individuals or how well they know them. We know them. Thought I would just hedge my bets to make it really easy on you. There are 14 people I would love to get introductions to, and I'm hoping you even know one or two of them well enough that you can meet. And odds are, that Will's going to be like, I oh, actually I know these six people really well. You know, and all these instructions, I'll be like, yes, please. Yes. <laughs> so think about it again. Pro proactiveness. Sales isn't hard. Do this with your executives. Do this with your leadership in your organization. Do this with your clients. Do this with your in laws. Do this with your parents. Do this with anyone. Yeah. Do this with your doctor. Uh, whoever right. you've got access to, um, and then rock it out. It's about that consistency, right? I think that's the, one of the overarching themes of, of all of this that we're talking about is that every touch point matters, doesn't it? It's, it? it's This is where taking time to think strategically about how you're building your network, like you just described, how you are asking referrals and making it easier on the people that you're asking. How are you going to show up this week, this month? It, it matters. Yeah. And I think there there has to be a more of a nuanced focus on understanding that the sum of all these things is greater than its parts so that we're not obsessing over, over attribution too yeah. much, right? Like what was it, like which of my LinkedIn posts or which of my blog posts that I put out there got this lead? Yeah. It's, it, it's so much more, it, it's wasted effort, I think, isn't it? Totally. And I think you're, you're 100%, I hope you saw the post that I made on that about how smart organizations, right, are thinking less about attribution and more yeah. thinking about doing the processes that we know benefit us. Are, and if you really held in on that attribution, if that is so key to you, I'll tell you, get your, get your, your reps, your executives, et cetera, get them contributing in communities, get them contributing in slacks, get them contributing on LinkedIn, and then change your lead form. Ask, how did you hear about us, right? I don't want to know that just in general. I want to know if people came to us through a recommendation because I want to say thank you to that person. I want to know if they came through, through LinkedIn. I want to know if they were former clients. I want to know that information. But the point is, get out there. Have that conversation. Here's the other great thing, right? Like, you know that just by having that conversation participating, it's again, it's, bra it's a brand. It's branding, it's impressions. Trust the process. Forget about just having that tie. Give 20 to 30% of your marketing budget to things that you're not quite sure if they're going to work and they don't have attribution. Give it a shot. Let's see what yeah. happens. 
Yeah, and get all of those all those impressions, and and again, the the sum will be greater than the parts. If if you're in a complex selling environment where you know it's going to take eight, ten, twelve touches over X amount of months with X number of influencers, then again, this obsession of attribution of like, what was the one thing? Guess what? It wasn't one thing, right? Yeah, never. It's always it is that compound effect, right? It's also where we have MQL scores because we know that that first touch, you know, it, it's irrelevant. We have to yeah. wait until they've got more content, right? They've been right. exposed more to us, to us more. So what are you going to do? Just continue to hope that your emails and your webinars and your website make a difference? Why don't you just go to the place where we know they probably are on a daily basis, LinkedIn, the one repository they go to to keep their lives efficient and get content and start to build a brand there. Yeah. If we can, let's talk a little bit more about messaging, both in how you connect with people and maybe what you're posting, what you're commenting on. And you talk often about don't tell people what you do, tell people what you solve for them. Yeah. I think the the solution piece is something we get away from because what we're really doing, right, is we're sending as salespeople, we think we're sending sales emails, but we're really sending marketing emails. So if yeah. we send out an email, it says, here's Sam Sales can help. So train your social seller, your sellers to be social selling machines, modern selling machines. Great. What's the challenge that we're really solving by doing that, right? If we think about that, if we think about what we're trying to do, getting get, to get reps to be social sellers, what challenge are we solving? And that's what we don't do in our emails more often than not. We just talk about what we do. We advertise our services. And then we say, do you have some time to catch up? No, because I don't know. I don't know how you're going to solve the challenge for me. So if I think about that, right, like I think about, um, let's say, LinkedIn executive branding, I could say that's a line of business that we have. I could say we're going to help your executives build a brand on LinkedIn um, and get, you know, get the message out there. OK, well, what's the actual challenge? The challenge is, right, you've got your sellers who are probably asking your executives to be on LinkedIn. You've got people who have never heard of you. You might be a organization that claims to be a modern sales organization and then nobody has a presence on LinkedIn. So I need to think about the challenge. Why would they spend that money with us? What's that going to resolve for them? Yeah. And that's how I need to pitch my sales message. I need to think about that with a buyer persona and targeting. So if I email you, Will, I'm not saying I'm going to turn your salespeople into social selling machines. I'm going to think about what you're measured on, what you care about, what other people in your same roles that I work with care about. You try to teach you something about how we can help. Yeah. I wanted to ask about personalization and what personalization needs to look like, right? Like you talk <laughs> a lot about show me, you know me, which I completely agree with, but it's got to involve doing actual legwork about the person and the company and not just saying, you know, hi, I'm Jane Doe. I noticed that you're VP of engineering at company X. That That's not personalization, wow. but- you can read, congrats. Yeah, right. Um, so what does personalization actually look like when it's done well personalization to me is the the show me you know me is the antithesis is the anti-personalization at scale personalization scale is what you just said i know you're this title i see you live in chicago uh your name plus my name initial meeting riveting you haven't done any work you haven't earned yeah. that meeting so show me you know you right is really what personalization is to me and that's doing 10 15 20 minutes of research on a prospect. Now, again, thinking 20 minutes, who has that kind of time? But set a goal. Send 20 quality emails in one day, right? 
20 times 20. Think about the time that that's going to take you. But send that. Send 20 quality emails in a day. It's not going to take you 20 minutes per each one. And even if it does, you'll get quicker at it, right? It's like running a mile. You're not going to be as fast today as you will be in a month. So focus that quality, right? Think about where does that person live? Do you have common connections? Where do they go to school? Where do they used to live? Do you want to visit their hometown? Is there anything that you can talk about with what's happening with their company and the press, with their space, with their tech in general, right? You can also show me, you know me at scale in a way. So I might look at something from a recent earnings report or something that's happening with the company and the news and then use that on the subject line. Pull a quote out from one of their executives. I'm telling you, Quality over quantity wins here because executives are being hammered with hundreds of emails every single week. So how do you stand out? You stand out with a funky subject line. Like if you were going to reach out to me, look at my profile. You could even watch a clip from this podcast and see Urchin Bird Gets the Worm, Show Me You Know Me, plus Pineapple, which is all (laughs) in my background, and catch my attention instead of like world-class lead generation company. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what it is to me. And it's also tying it authentically. So it's not, Sam, I see you went to FSU. Do you want to buy my stuff? No. Right. What about FSU? Tell me something right. about it. Why are you even, what? Why are you referencing this? Now, I think what's interesting too, and part of why we're in business is that for those of us who get it, we get it. But there are so many people who do, it's tough. It's a hard thing for them to learn. Think about that too. Like we're also teaching our sellers, right, as leaders, not only how to do this, but also how to weave it into conversations. And that's yeah. something we teach. People are nervous to have conversations, especially our younger sales reps, because all they do is text. They don't chit-chat. Right? The yeah. art of modern conversation is a new skill set for many. I, I think it's so right that focus on quality over quantity. If you can get 15 or 20 really thoughtful, well-researched connections, emails, whatever it is out in a day, isn't that worth so much more than a hundred just canned copy and paste, non-personalized things that are just going to go delete, delete, delete. I want to end end today with one thing because I saw you write about this and we, we talk a lot on, on the podcast about sales leadership and the transition from individual salesperson to, to leadership. And you wrote a really eloquent post recently Um, So I'd like the audience to hear your point of view. What are the most important things that a salesperson needs to consider before leaping into a a leadership role? Um, I could talk about this for an hour. Is that how much time we have left? Um, (laughs) Just real quick on on this topic. So I think we make the natural assumption often that the next step as a salesperson, as an individual contributor is leadership. And I just want to debunk that myth right? We don't, you don't have to be a leader to be successful, to continue to earn a ton of money, to continue to do interesting work, right? The more success you see as a salesperson, as an individual contributor, one, the easier your job might get, the more flexibility you'll have, the more social capital internally you'll have. And you can probably work on even more interesting accounts, right? Or get to do things like speak or whatever on behalf of your company. So don't just think that the next step has to be leadership. There's a couple of things to keep in mind. And I think that The biggest one I would really think about for me is, do you derive joy from seeing others succeed, even if you're not necessarily part of that success or even if you as a whole aren't succeeding, right? So let's say my team, as I'm a leader, and let's say my team is at 68% of quota for that year. And let's say one of my reps is still having a bang up year. Can I find success in supporting that rep? Can I be excited for that rep? Does that matter to me? I think the other thing to think about, right, is that 
I, as a person, am highly competitive. I always want to win. I'm driven by money. Those are things, you know, as candidly as I can say, those are all true to me, right? I want to win and I want to win big and I want to make a ton of cash. However, I really, there's a balance to me of the money that I make and the, the fulfillment that I have inside of me to help other people, right? Yeah. So maybe I'm going to make another $50,000 this year, or I don't because I've already made a ton of money, but I get to help others. I get to scale yeah. my talents to other people. I think that's one of the, the one of the things to think about first and foremost. That's a, that's a great articulation. Thank you. And a great way to, to end this episode. Um, Sam, thank you so much for being on Mental Selling today. Thanks, Will. Thanks for having me. What a pleasure. There's uh, there's so much more we can talk about. And obviously, so I, I hope that we can have you back on the show again sometime. I'd be honored. Thanks. Thanks um, for bringing me around the first time. So for our listeners, you will find Sam McKenna, as you've clearly heard by now, on LinkedIn. Uh, so I strongly encourage you to, to follow her there. You, she is also on TikTok and YouTube, where you'll also find some really helpful in, uh, insights and tips. Her website is samsalesconsulting.com. Of course, use and follow the hashtag Sam Sales, and you'll be able to see much more of her great insights. And thank you to everyone, as always, for listening. It's great to hear from you and get your feedback. We look forward to having you join us again for our next episode. And until then, please go out and make a difference for someone that you know you can help. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you've enjoyed this episode of Mental Selling. Please make sure that you're subscribed. And as always, leave us a comment or a rating share it with your networks. You'll get more content like this on our website at integritysolutions.com. Until next time, I'm Will Milano with Integrity Solutions. Thanks very much again for